0: You're listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil. Shane Stetsny and Brent Smith here, as always. This is episode six already, and man, we were talking before we hit record here, we're almost a third of the way through the season, Brent.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Shane. It's crazy how fast it's going, and it bums you and I out because we love everything about short-course off-road racing, and just this year is going to fly, but we're already heading into Cranon. I mean, Spring Run, the big track. I mean, I'm excited. I don't know about you, Shane.
0: I'm super excited. I love going home. Uh, As I've grown older, it kind of saddens me, but I don't get home as much as I used to. My parents don't have a house in Cranon anymore, but walking into those gates and being at Cranon International Raceway, it's still feels like home. It feels like I'm a little kid again, you know, back when I was five years old and had my hands up to the fence watching guys like Jack Flannery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can remember that just like it was the other day. I mean, my twin brother and I, we, I remember running into you through the years just being so excited. It's so cool to be going back to Crandon and we have some cool drivers up on our podcast for our sixth episode already. It is just crazy. The season going by so fast, but pro four driver, I mean, came from the side-by-sides, but really has a lot of confidence coming into 2022, Jimmy Henderson. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. How's it going, buddy?
2: Going good, man.
1: Going good. So, Jimmy, we're only a couple days away from heading to Crandon. It's a big track. We just left Anago, a small, tight, bullring track. There's a big change between the two.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Antigo, uh, the track is really aggressive. I mean, it, it chews up so quick big potholes, big ruts, Um, and at Crandon, they do such a great job taking care of the track and doing track prep. It is, it's a lot different. I mean, you're running 110 down into Turn one and um, you know, the gravel pit, that's always fun. So it's a a big difference, a little bit different driving style, a little bit different approach, but we'll take the weekend the kind of the same way we went with Antigo. Um, Things didn't work out for us the way we wanted to at Antigo, but same approach just get out there
0: you know um make some clean laps and get halfway in let's see where we're at and let's go after it after that those different features that krandon has like the land rush start the high speed turns it's super high stakes and when things go wrong they seem to go like catastrophically wrong do you have to mentally prepare yourself differently compared to racing at a place like antigo no not really um well honestly
2: (laughs) After watching the Antigo race on TV, I'm thinking is like, you know, the bad track to go to. Uh, Andrew Carlson flipping, and you know, I mean, um, I actually have in my in-car camera the Adrian Cheney flip, and man, it was way worse than what I thought it was. But it, it's in my in-car camera. Um, it it was, that was that was a rough one, but um, no, I mean, you take them all the same. You're you're getting in a car, you know the risk. And, um, I would say at Crandon, you know, you definitely can't go in like Lena. You can go in and kind of throw it in a little bit and get away with some stuff. Um, Crandon, you need to be mindful of it. You know, if you're out of shape going into a corner, you may back out a little bit more where at Lena, you might just flick it and let it go. But yeah, mentally wise, you're, you're still just trying to get prepared and be calm and, and make sure you're respectful of other drivers, stuff like that. and. You know, I, I don't want to start another season like we had last year where we spent the first half of the season just fixing stuff.
0: Hey before we get too deep into the weeds on stuff this season I want to talk a little bit about your uh, I guess your background how you got to this point being competitive in Pro 4. So you raced some side-by-side stuff in the Midwest and elsewhere down in uh, Texas around the Southeast. How did the opportunity to move into a Pro 4 come to you?
2: Yeah so I'd like to told y'all before I did a lot of circle track, many years circle track starting in as a kid and um I was actually just riding my dirt bike and saw some guys racing side by sides and I was like, that's awesome, I gotta do that. So I actually sold my legends car, bought a side by side, raced in Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi for about two years. Um just really messed around five or six races a year. Had a buddy of mine taught me into going up to um to watch what was camp off road. So uh, whatever it used to be, but, um, went up there and we ran the Cranon race. And I believe that was 2019, um, went up there and we raced Cranon, finished third that race. But I remember like standing at the fence when Johnny came by and that little Toyota, man, that thing comes screaming by turn one. And I felt like I'm melted into the fence, you know? And, um, I just, I actually, some of my wife took a picture of my face and I was just like, you know, just my mouth was wide open. I just couldn't believe it. And, uh, fell in love with pro four right there, but I raced Johnny's series, the monster energy, King of the hammers or King of the elements, uh, series. I raced that and we were doing pretty good and stuff. And he just shot me a text one night and he's like, Hey man, you want to drive a pro four? And, uh, sure, I don't remember exactly but it was like ha 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 i think you got the wrong number you know <laughs> and he's like no for real Um thinking about buying a pro four and if you want to hop in it you know i'll do a rental program with you and stuff like that and get you some seat time get you built up teach you the ropes teach you how to run the business and prep the truck and stuff like that and that's how it all got started so Kind of started from there. He took me out testing at Crandon, and then we jumped in it. Um, I think I did four races that year. I did two at ERX, two at Bark River. And uh, it was really good because there weren't very many of us back then. Um, it was it was the year before the West Coast guys came over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a very light field, and we could get out there, and I could just follow them and learn lines and stuff like that. And then the next year, we did a, a full year of rental program.
1: So watching, so watching Johnny coming into turn one was, were you like set? Your heart was set. Like I have to get in a pro four. Like, was that your goal? I mean, cause right away it seemed like you clicked, you understood how to drive it. I mean, side-by-sides coming from that background, doing your other racing. But I mean, was that your all time goal to get in that pro four and run a good program?
2: Honestly, at that time, um, I run, so in Georgia, I, I run two businesses, two completely separate businesses. I'm very busy. They do kind of feed off of each other, the two entities, but they're, they're big companies. It's a lot of work and I work all the time and I never really thought I would be able to pull off a program like I have. And I wouldn't be able to do it without Johnny. Um, you know, Johnny literally hand fed me everything and like, here's a semi, (laughs) like he literally, like I was looking for a semi and he's like, I found you a semi, you know, here's your truck. Here's a guy to call about tires. You know, I mean, like he, wa- he walked me through the whole thing in a two-year process. So I never would have even thought it was realistic to do it and be able to put all that together um, if he wasn't helping me do that. But, yeah, I mean, when I saw him go around that turn, yeah, I mean, chills <laughs> went down my spine. Because I was, this was 2005. I mean, I was like 1918 when I was running the Nationwide and ARCA level. In Circle Track, and uh, I had a real bad wreck at Pocono, and they cut me out of the car, and I had a concussion and all kind of oh, bad man. stuff. Um, never really thought I would get back to a serious level. Um, i as a Matter of fact, they pulled my NASCAR license, so it, you know I never really thought I would race professionally again. And you know, somehow, just kept working, kept pushing. I've always loved the sport. I've always loved racing and god just found a way to work it back into my life you know that's so amazing it's
1: it's awesome you talk about goosebumps i know shane and i when we're watching practice we always have an eye on you buddy because you're just coming through so quick and you're learning everything so fast and you give us goosebumps coming into turn one with that truck because you're on it it's so cool to watch yeah
2: it feels like an eternity
1: though i mean
2: <laughs> like it and like You know, we were, we went and tested this summer and, um, or in the spring and we were fast. I was confident, you know, and first thing I get in the Antigo and I catch that tire in the hairpin trying to like cut it tight. There's just this big hole and it's right in the middle. It's, it's not the inside lane. It's not the outside lane. It's that, it's that middle lane. And that hole formed so fast. And I called it the first lap. So the next lap, I'm like, I'm going to cut inside of it. And that tire just caught my nose, kind of like it did Johnny the year before. You know, you just, all you have to do is touch it because you're right on the edge right there. And it'll just flick you over and you won't even notice it. And tore the hood up there. And then we had fuel pump issues. Like uh, we were having fuel pressure issues. We changed everything on the truck. We couldn't get the motor running right the Saturday was kind of messy. And, um, and, and you know, obviously I ended up getting into Leduc, same thing, him and CJ were running the outside line and I was just, I was felt really good. It was right on the restart. And I knew that I had somebody right on my back bumper and I didn't want to do the outside line and leave that inside door open. So I took the inside line and when I did, you know, it was just right there. I was right on Laduke, Duke and I, I caught Laduke's back quarter and ended up spinning him and messed up both of our races. So that wasn't good. And then, um, on Sunday, you know, battery cable falls off. It's like Johnny, Johnny stalled in the exact same corner and we just made contact real quick. And my battery cable broke. And I was just like, (laughs) the whole dash just goes black.
1: I had that last year. I know how that feels. That stinks. Oh man.
2: Just like you know, you're playing Nintendo and you just want to hit the reset button. I <laughs> reset this weekend, this whole weekend.
1: Wish it was that cheap, eh?
2: <laughs> yeah, but we 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 have a good program. I was so happy to see all the work that Pat and Cody and Luke Stubbs has put into that team, and myself. Um, you know, United Rentals has really stepped up, and then the, you know, my new sponsor, Falcon. They are amazing. That that guy Doug with Falcon, he comes over. He's like, you need anything? We'll help you set your tent up. Like just anything I need. I love that guy. That it, it's the team is a wonderful thing. I feel like we're putting together a great team. It's just those you know working those kinks out, man. It just takes takes a lot out of you, and you just gotta keep pushing, you know.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned um, you felt confident after testing in the off season and coming into this year for me and I know Brent feels the same way. I feel like ERX last year was where you really hit stride. You obviously had a great end to your year in Crandon with uh, you know being on the podium a couple times, but ERX when you were running up in that lead pack for both of those races, does, was that kind of a turning point for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I really think so. I think in practice um it just kind of clicks. Like I I like ERX. It's aggressive like the track. You can you can be aggressive towards that track and it just takes it. You know, you can be aggressive with the truck. There's banking in the corners and you can lean on that banking a little bit and it's a different, a little different feel. And to be able to take that Lena the way we did, um just kept building that confidence. You know, we went to ERX, had a great run, we were fast, and it was just that point where like, yeah, we we are good enough to run with Leduc and the Greaves. Um, and we just took that to Lena and, you know, and it just kept snowballing as the year went on, not just in confidence, but kind of learning to be patient. Like you don't have to be up front the first half of the race. Um, you, you just need to be close enough to get there by the end. You can't know? survive. You beat the death out of them pro fours. I mean, you drive them so hard. And, um, that was kind of like Mattag last year, you know, extremely fast, but he was very aggressive to the truck to to be that fast, you know, and I still scratch my head. I watch CJ and LaDuke and Anna go, and I'm like, you know, CJ looks like he's just floating around the track, but he is fast, you know, but he's very good with throttle control. He's very smart with his lines. He can read the dirt very well, you know, but that's what's so great about being in Pro Four. We are literally racing against the best in the world. I mean, even when you see Menzies and them come in, CJ and LaDuke and Johnny and we're all right there. I mean, it's not like one person can just bring a high-dollar truck in and outrun everybody.
0: I think for both Brent and myself after ERX last year, we we kind of agreed that it feels like you're very, very close. You're on the doorstep of picking up your first win in Pro 4. Do you feel like you're that close? I do. Uh, I do. Um,
2: I think Crandon is where – Like, this weekend is where we need to start building our momentum. Um, We need to shake Antigo off. We knew we had some issues with the engine and the fuel pumps, and I stripped that thing to the bone. I pulled the fuel cell, everything, everything off of it. We found the problem. It's actually something I never would have thought of, but we found the problem. We fixed the problem, but the motor's good now. I'm confident that that truck, will be fast at Crandon um when we tested we were fast and I was very comfortable and if I can get comfortable in the truck and the way it's flying and the way it's running and I know like at Anago is having issues with throttle response so I pick the throttle up and it would hesitate and here and there when you're trying to rotate and drive you're steering the truck with the throttle when you're trying to do that it needs to be crisp and you need to trust that it'll be there because if not you'll you know you'll you'll hesitate to pick the throttle up or you'll try to pick it up too hard, afraid it'll hesitate. And then you end up doing something like spinning or over-rotating. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's very, uh, there's a lot to it, but the truck needs to be running the way it's good also. I mean, like I said, Pro Fours are just so close to the edge all the time. Everything needs to be running the way it's supposed to, you know, and i think. I think the truck's there, and I feel really good, too. matter of fact, 10 minutes before you called me, I was on the simulator just running laps for an hour and a half. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel pretty good going to Cranon. We just need a clean run. We need some sunshine. Let's go out there and get it
1: done. So last year, Jimmy, you had a good year. I mean, you podiumed in the last three, four out of the three out of the last four races. I mean, you went home took the truck all apart. I mean, there was rumors that you built a brand new truck. Could you clarify it for everyone out there? And like Shane and myself, did you guys cut the front back half off or did you completely build a new truck?
2: No, we just back half it. So right
1: behind the seat.
2: um, So as soon as the season was over, I took it over to Johnny Greaves and um, they started Brad and Devin and actually CJ called me a bunch of times and we just came up with some ideas, kind of redesigned the back end um the, the truck arm, the shock actually landed right in the center of the truck arm, um, midway between the front pickup point and the rear pickup point. So we just changed that so it was more durable. Um, feel like you get a little more leverage over the truck. So changes, spring rating, stuff like that. So we, we did a lot of fault and put a lot of fault into it. And really, a lot of it, like the rear end was bent in it, and we knew it because we couldn't get the axles out for about a year. So wow. We put a new rear end in it. I mean, truck's got some hours on it. Um, Doug Fortin helped me a lot this off season, get me new parts and and just all kind of stuff. I mean, he <laughs> we changed every part we could find on the truck, um, and and just tried to upgrade it to the new new style. And, um, you know, just different parts that people are running compared to what they were when that truck was designed. And then, like I said, CJ and Johnny and and Devin really did a great job designing the back of the truck. Um, just kind of took my ideas. I was just like, this is what I want the shocks. This is how I want everything to work. And they just ran with it. Just did a great job with it. So I'm excited. I I don't feel like Antigo showcased what that truck is capable of.
1: Does it feel different to you?
2: Yeah, it does. And the tires feel different too. A little stiffer sidewall and being on an all terrain tire just has a totally different feel to it, much more stable. So I'm pretty excited. Um, like I said, we we did some testing and, and I run hard in testing. Um, you know, not just out there like checking engine checks and stuff like that. Like we were running it to see what we could get out of it and we're really happy with it. So I expect good things, but the biggest thing you got to stay out of trouble, and you got to keep the truck running to the end of the race. So that's going to be the key. Uh, I got to feel a lot of people are going to show up to and
0: Yeah, we do. We do know for sure R.J. Anderson's going to be there, so that's one more, uh, you know, really tough competitor for you, along with the list of, uh, you know, obviously super accomplished guys, you know, all the way down to Carlson, Cheney, both Greaves, Leduc. I mean, the the field is ridiculous talent, like you were talking about earlier.
2: Yeah, and everybody brings their A game to Crandon. I mean, that's you're going to win a race. And like, certainly for me, if I was going to win my first race and anybody was like, where do you want to win your first race? Crandon. I want to win at Crandon. I want to stand on the top box in front of that crowd. You know, maybe ERX would be number two for me, but Crandon is like, that's going to be an amazing place to win at. And when we get to that point, I will definitely cherish that. You know, probably try to take my phone up there and do like the Instagram thing. And, you know, (laughs) that crowd's amazing. I mean, that is a, that crowd is just so much fun to be around.
0: I'm actually from Crandon, you know, grew up at the racetrack there myself. Um, Your story about seeing Johnny Greaves come through turn one and you said you just melted into the fence. Were you aware of off-road racing at Crandon before that, or did you kind of just show up and that's how you were exposed to it?
2: I've I've always watched it on TV. Um, I used to watch um, when it was on M- NBC. Uh, I used to watch all that, and I've seen it. Like I watch them on YouTube, and um, I mean, I keep up with all forms of racing. I like open wheel modifieds, and I like all the rally stuff. Um, got a friend of mine from Scotland. He did rally, so I kind of keep up with all that. And so I knew about it, but it's just different life. It is just different live, And then, like I said, I'm Toyotas. Everybody talks about them Toyotas, but they really have no idea. Because you go to a NASCAR race and it's kind of, it's not the same, you know. It just sounds, it sounds wild, which I'm kind of want to listen to Leduc's New exhaust. I, I can hear it on the TV over you
0: guys talking.
2: <laughs> when Leduc.
1: You can feel it in your chest.
2: It's got a pretty good one going on.
0: I think he's probably tired of hearing all the uh, all the fans clamoring for the
1: sound of the Toyotas too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's uh he's got a pretty good match there.
1: <laughs> Jimmy, how are you how are you mentally preparing yourself for this weekend? I know anyone can say I'm going in and going to have a great run and you hope to everything goes your way, but at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of guys you talk to Evan Evans, Scotty Taylor, they still get those goosebumps on the starting line. How do you mentally prepare to clear your head to do work?
2: Yeah, honestly, um, the, the hardest thing for me is transitioning from work to racing. Um, like tomorrow, I mean, I'll work tomorrow. I'll fly into green Bay around 11 o'clock tomorrow night, which is midnight here. And I'll be up at six o'clock working on the truck. So with that being said, I went on vacation. We went to Dustin. We hung out with family I knocked a lot of work out today. So tomorrow will be kind of a light day, but. You know, a lot of times when I'm here, um, you know, two construction companies with a lot, tons of people working there, a lot going on. So, you know, 80, 90 hours just fly by during the week. And it's just that way when you're owner of a company, you don't ever, you can't ever turn your phone off and you can't ever not be there. So that's the biggest thing to me. Um, key employees at the companies handling things. And give me a little break, cause I went into Anago like pulling my hair out, and it had nothing to do with racing. And we were having issues with the motor, <laughs> so you know it's just a little different deal. And um, Cody Ladowski and, and Pat Haas have been working all weekend trying to get the truck ready and everything done, so I don't have to get there and really do a lot. I'll, I'll load up the semi, and um, drive the semi up to Cran, and that's about all I have to do. So we're kind of caught up now, you know. Like we came into Anago like sliding sliding sideways a little bit but um <laughs> i feel like we're much more prepared across the board here and the people at henderson fab and jb Steele are much more prepared for me to be gone for a long period of time so it, it just kind of was a shock for everybody but i think we we're on our feet now and everybody knows what to expect and and we're ready to roll
0: Man, the way you make that sound it's almost like being at the racetrack and dealing with all that stress is like your vacation
2: Being at the racetrack is my
0: vacation. I (laughs) I
2: know. It seems
1: like it. Poor guy. (laughs) I
2: mean, me and, you know, me and Johnny joke around about it all the time. You know, Johnny will call me and be like, hey, man, there's 10 acres for sale up here. And I'm like, dude, you keep playing around like that. I'm going to be living right next to you one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you mentioned you were uh, spinning some laps on the sim. And you've talked about how you raced a bunch of different disciplines and you follow all kinds of racing. I mean. Do you draw a lot of inspiration from other kinds of motorsport to to help your driving skills? Uh, yeah, yeah, I really do. Um,
2: so to me, it, Pro 4, you, you do drive with the throttle. Like, you know, you kind of steer it in and everybody sees it like you're rotating it. And they think we just hammer down on the gas and start ripping gears, kind of like that. But really, a lot of throttle control. You're steering with the throttle like the finish line turn at Cranon, you know, it's such a long, drawn-out turn. You're not just hammered down. You know, you have to actually steer the truck with the throttle. And um, that's how Legends cars was, the little Dwarf Legends cars. I raced those for years, and, you know, you really just kind of twitch the wheel in the corner. And once once you're accelerating and you hit apex, you're, you're using the throttle to steer it all the way off. Um, I race super light models for a long time, and those are you know 700 horsepower motors and a 2800 horsepower car. so you can't just mat down those either. you know you you actually have to fill the throttle out and so um yeah, even on my simulator i will I will not run the same race twice. I'll go from a Mazda to the Ferrari series to Pro 4 and jump back in. I do a lot of road course. I really don't really don't do a lot of circle track on the simulator just because you're driving in a circle. Right. Um, I feel like road course is, is more is going to help me more for what I'm doing. Cause it's more about hitting your marks and timing and um, shift points and stuff like that. So I really do a lot of road course on the simulator, but it's not all in a pro four. I might do pro two um, just whatever I feel like will help me uh, adapt, you know, and that's one Quick, thing man. like CJ adapt to anything. It'll be pouring down rain because so they're like, Yeah, I'm ready. You know, sun shining. Yeah, I'm ready. Track store up. Yeah, I'm ready. I mean that kid's just always ready. And um that's that's what I am pushing for is to I feel like I'm I'm good. Just gotta get like that little bit more. There's just something missing, you know? And um that's what I gotta find. I gotta find that little edge that those three guys that just stay up front, they seem to be able to find it every weekend.
1: Well, Well, you're doing, Oh, sorry, Shane.
0: I was going to say, you're uh, comparing yourself to like Johnny Greaves, who has probably 500 times the amount of laps in a pro four that you do. But I mean, it sounds like you have a, an approach that's you know, helping you develop the skills that you need and and get the confidence that you need.
2: Yeah. And I actually, I, I go back and I watch a lot of the old races like Leduc and like when they were kids and, uh, and they were first coming into it. DJ did; he had success right out of the gate. But if you go back and you kind of look at Johnny and and Laduke, like Laduke struggled a lot early, early on, uh, rolled a lot of trucks and stuff like that. Matter of fact, I watched a race this morning where him and his brother rolled somewhere in California. You know, um, Rick Usman, you know, he struggled for a couple of years and then finally just something clicked. And he was unbeatable, and I think it was 2010, 2011. You know, it is. It's uh, it takes a little more time. It's it's not like a uh, circle track. When I was moving up through the ranks, I would move to a different class, and you know, we were just fast as we were in the one before it. And Pro Four is just its own animal. I mean, it is like when I first got in Pro Four, I felt like everything was just insanely fast, and I just, I remember thinking like, good God, they're, you know, they are like flying. Like first time I went to ERX, I was like, they are crazy, you know, but last year we were as fast as anybody at ERX and I was like calm as a cucumber, like I was just in the truck driving and that built as we went to Lena and went back to Crandon, like that confidence was built up and, and you could see it in my. In my uh, Motec data, like just smooth throttle, smooth braking, you know, no crazy reactions or anything like that. So, looking forward to getting
1: back to that because
2: Anago kind of felt like Rocky, you know, at the end <laughs> of Rocky Four. <IV.
1: laughs> I'll beat up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch the Pro Fours, honestly. We just were like, I hope they can make it to the halfway point because it'll be one hell of a show. But at the end of the day, it's like, you talk about you don't need to be in the lead by halfway point because, I mean, to finish first, first you have to finish, it seems like, in that class.
2: Yeah, I mean, even at Antigo, like, first lap of Antigo on Sunday, you know, John got around the outside of me, and I knew he was there. Luke was telling me, Luke's my spotter, and he's like, yeah, John, you know, John's on your outside. And we were going through the rollers. I had a lot of trouble um, trying to get my rear socks dialed in for those rollers and we were busting the nose off the truck and i think a lot of people had a lot of issues with that but i didn't want to go into it very first lap and just hit them certainly side by side with somebody so i just like let him go and you know i was comfortable cruising behind them i was like well we're sitting forth and i'm i'm running very light on the throttle and not very aggressive so i was like we're sitting forth and we're keeping up with him I feel pretty good about podium today, <laughs> you know, because I mean, truck cars falling, and then the battery cable falls off. So, see, yeah, that's that's what I get for for thinking we were decent <laughs> in good shape.
0: Well, it's all part of the uh, the struggle of a long season. You know, you'll get you'll take the punches, but uh, you know, it's the ability to to regroup, like you've been talking about. You know, sorting out the problems be- before the next event that uh, that'll keep you near the front, anyways.
2: Yeah, and and the thing is, it's, it, the issues we had, the fuel problems started way back in March when I was testing at the house. We burned up like two or three fuel pumps, couldn't figure out what was going on. We changed all the fuel lines, all the foam out of the fuel tank, changed everything. We were like, in that process, we are like, yep, this is what did it. And we figured out what was causing the issue with the fuel pumps, um, shortened out. So that's been corrected you know the battery cable deal that's just something that happens um something popped off and it's just one of those things we don't expect that to be a reoccurring thing but every everything else like my Cody has been learning from Devin him uh Devin is CJ's crew chief and they're friends you know they're really good friends actually I think went to school and everything together and he's been helping them learn how to do the transmissions and stuff like that because two years ago like If we had to change something in the transmission, we had a plastic picnic table at Lena. Last year, we were trying to change the transmission, (laughs) you know, and we just, you know, we didn't know much about it. Um, So Devin had to come over there and like actually be like, all right, put this bolt here, put this bolt here, put this two here. So we're learning as a team all together. You know, this year we have engine hoist and we have transmission jacks and stuff like that. And the haulers outfitted with a toolbox that's just to replace transmission you know i mean everything you need to work on transmission is in this box everything you need to work on the fuel cell this box so we're much more prepared this year we understand what we need to do and um now we just gotta get out there and do it and when i say we uh, mainly me me mean myself
1: well jimmy we we can't wait to watch the rest of the year especially watching your truck that united rentals truck is always in our eye no matter what you're always coming flying through the field i mean yeah you had a bad weekend but man big things are coming for you i can feel it
2: yeah i think so what do you what do you guys think of that deal
1: y'all y'all like the, that uh that falcon green
2: on the front of there
1: yeah your truck always stands out what do you think shane
0: yeah i'm, I'm right with both of you looks great and uh for the record we are uh we're friends with Doug, too. He is a great guy. You're 100% correct.
2: Yeah, we well, we did that last minute. Um, so, Chad over at Victory Signs, I called him, and I was like, I want something just to kind of make this truck pop. And he came up with that, and I loved it. I fell in love with it and ran out of decals for the Sunday race. But, yeah, we're coming back to Cranham with uh, with that paint scheme. So, hoping it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, we'll put that thing up on top of the box, dude. It's It's about to happen. Yeah, we're hoping that uh, the green on the front stays clean.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna push. You know, I, I feel like Crandon is somewhere. You know, last year we proved that we can be fast at Crandon. Um, You know, even like I said, RJ and Adrian is always good at chan- at Crandon, and we were able to get past them and run. Really wasn't running with Johnny. He he pretty much had the house cleaned at Crandon last year, but we were there um, you know, and able to get on the podium both days. So we're hoping to
0: have some more luck like
2: that and feel like we're going to have a really good truck that can compete for a win.
0: Well, we hope all your hard work and all the preparation pays off and you have a couple great runs this weekend, but Hey Jimmy, uh, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Yeah guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll catch up with you this weekend. All right. See you then. Well, before we move on to our next guest, I just want to remind everybody, visit Amsoil.com for products that protect and maximize performance in all your vehicles and motorized toys. Use the convenient Amsoil product guides to find what you need and get fast, free shipping right to your door. Amsoil, run with us. We do appreciate Amsoil's support of this Champ Off-Road podcast. All right, our next guest on the Champ Off-Road podcast, fresh off a round two win in Anigo from Super Buggy Mark Steinhardt. How you doing, Steiny?
3: I'm doing
1: good, guys. How are you? Good, good,
0: man. Hey, so like I said, you you picked up the big win there in round two. You uh, took second in round one. You come out of the weekend tied for the points lead with the defending champ, Michael Meister. Do you feel like you've got some momentum headed into Crandon? You had a win there last year, too, in round three in Crandon. So you got to feel pretty good heading into Crandon here this weekend.
3: Yeah, I do. You know, Last year, we were fast in Anigo and uh, new car and getting used to it and uh, made a mistake on Sunday. Felt like that was mine to win there, but uh, my mistakes cost me. And you know, with Michael, you can't make any mistakes. He's a fast kid, so I uh, made a couple mistakes, and he got around me. And then uh, that momentum carried through to, to Crandon last year, and was able to pick up a win there. So that was awesome. Um, looking forward to going back there. I don't really know what my career victory is there, but I know it's a lot. So looking forward to going to Crandon and hopefully picking up another one.
0: Do you think of Crandon as your home track?
3: Oh, absolutely. I've always said that from day one. Um, Love going to Crandon. Um, Track is awesome. People over there are awesome. Uh, The fans, everything about it, you know, it's a great facility. Um, Always enjoyed racing there. Even when I started back in 1988, when I started racing. It's always been one of the tracks you want to go to, and it's one of those tracks you want to win at, whether it's the spring race, the fall race, it doesn't matter. You want to win Crandon.
1: Hey, coming into Crandon now, I mean, you're talking about your history in the past coming into Crandon, but, like, talking about the championship, I mean, you're starting the year off really, really warm, and you're tied for the points. I mean, is your head down every race now? Is not consistency? Is it wins, or what is it?
3: Well, you know, I've been in this a long time. It takes a little bit of both. You know the wins obviously are going to get you the most points, um, but it's those one round that you break or one round that you have an issue that usually ends up costing you in the long run. Um, I know last year I had one bad round, and that one bad round ended up, you know, with Michael's problems, which everybody has problems, ended up costing what I would have been very close points championship race. So you got to be consistent. You want to finish every race. Obviously, you want to be on the box every race the ultimate goal every weekend is to win the race.
1: Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself? I used to.
3: I've gotten to the point now that, you know, I enjoy it. I love doing it. But the pressure the pressure that I put on myself is, is, is very minimal compared to what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I still I still pressure myself to win, and I, I still want to win. And, you know, I, I know that, I don't know how to say it, the chips are against me sometimes um, with my age and stuff from, with racing with the younger guys. Obviously, we got Hester out there who's who's a little bit older than me, and we're still competitive, and that's awesome. But uh, I try to pride myself in just going out there and doing the best I can.
0: You know if Hester hears this before this weekend, he's going to come find you because you uh, brought that up, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: he already knows he's older than I am. So you can come and find me. <laughs>
0: so Super Buggy, it's an interesting mix of guys. Uh, like you said, there are a couple younger guys now coming into the class, but your class has you know, depending on the weekend, six drivers who have been racing short course since at least the eighties. Uh, plus you got Dale Eberts. He started at the desert, I think in the late eighties too. What's it like to compete with a group of such accomplished drivers and guys that have been around for so long?
3: Well, it's pretty crazy if you think about it, you know, I mean, there's, like you say, there's young talent, uh, coming up. Obviously Michael is there. Um, but there's still younger guys that are, are going to be there. They're going to be hungry for wins and, it's, it's interesting. Um, for sure. There's a lot of history there. Um, I know I was talking to Dale. I met him last year and I talked to Dale on the podium and, uh, had some good words and very interesting, you know, kind of guy to race against. Uh, I know he has a lot of experience and, you know, like Hester and then when Scott races too, you know, it's, you know, when you win and you beat those guys, not only are you beating up and comers, you're also beating a lot of experience too. So.
1: All your competitors will probably say that week at a week out. They're just, I mean, it's so cool to watch as a kid. And I know Shane can back me up. It's so fun to watch you still compete at the level you do. I, I couldn't wait till you got into a super buggy because I mean, it's more comfortable. I mean, the ride's nicer and I felt like you could go to the top. So it gives me goosebumps still to see you go up on the podium.
3: Well, thank you, Brent. I appreciate that. And yeah, you know, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I know I, I uh, won a lot of races in 1600, a lot of championships. The opportunity was just never there to be in the right equipment um, for me to move up. I had opportunities to move up, but if I moved up, I wanted to be competitive. I didn't want to move up just to say, hey, I'm going to race a super buggy or you right, know, a pro right. buggy at the time, whatever it was. I wanted to make sure I could do it right, and I think I've done that.
0: Hey, so uh, truck racing gets a lot of attention, and looking back at rounds one and two at Antigo, it was brutal racing the the truck guys were really leaning on each other hard. There was a lot of carnage. but in buggy racing, you can't do that at all. Talk about how different it is to have to have that mindset. You have to respect everybody that's out there on the track.
3: Yeah, you do you know and, and <laughs> you know
0: however I want to say this, you kind of watch
3: the trucks and it's like, man, I wish I could lean on somebody like that to pass them you know and that's nothing against those guys. I mean they're they're driving driving hard and making good passes. But for us to do it, you gotta set them up. You gotta, you know, you gotta make sure you're clear. You gotta make sure you don't make wheel to wheel contact. Um, and our cars are are almost as wide as a pro too. So, you know, it's not like we have a lot of room to maneuver and make moves. You gotta be very calculated um, when you do try to make moves. And if you make the wrong move, you're gonna go backwards too. You know, there's people right there that are, that are probably gonna pass you. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot to that. Like I say, a lot of respect to the truck guys. Um, for how they do it but yeah it, it's it's a challenge in one of these things to pass people for sure
1: so steiny i mean we're just talking about some random things getting into this but like how long have you been doing the buggies and what got you into it i know a little bit about it but like what got you into racing <laughs> off-road
3: well i know you know glenn matthews glenn matthews was a yep. a friend of mine and he's won a lot of championships and that the day that was called class 11 which is light buggy now He actually bought a two-seat Class 11 car in 1985, and myself and Rob Kinner, who also ended up racing later on, also worked on the car with Glenn, and then we would take turns riding in that car. Um, From there, I got hooked, and I'm like, I need to do this. So in 1988, I purchased my first Class 11 car, and uh, I don't remember how long it was. I raced it a few years. I think I won two points championships. Um raced it a few years and I decided I needed to move up, um, wanted to accomplish something in the, in the next class up, which at the time was 1-1600 and 2 1600, and bought a two-seat car and then moved on from there.
0: In that time, you've raced all over the Midwest, across the country, you've raced in Canada and you've gone against some really heavy hitters, some big names in the history of the sport. When you look back on some of the guys that you've gotten to race against and in a lot of cases you beat those guys uh, who really stands out among those those drivers
3: you know i think what comes to mind would be Scott foby you know beating him real close friend of mine did a lot of traveling together great competitor great guy helped me out throughout the years um uh, being able to, to race with him and then you know being able to beat him was was pretty pretty neat on my end i'm sure he he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to say that but uh you know i think he he respects that too you know, when we would go to Montreal, um, I would race my 1600 cars against Super 1600 or Super Buggies up there. Um, and I would do pretty well. And all those guys would, you know, like, hey, what are you doing? What w- This isn't right. Why are you, you know, so some of the guys that I beat up there, you know, like Corey Witherall for one. Um, that's a big name. A lot of other big names up there. Um, that was very special. Uh, as far as some of the guys around here, you know, I raced with John Greaves when he started very little bit. He was in 1600. I can't say I ever beat him, but you know, I did race against him. Todd Attic back in the day was a real tough competitor. Uh, Michael Seafelt, another tough, tough racer, had a lot of competition with him, a lot of battles throughout the years with him. Um, And now with Michael, you know, I, I kind of got involved with Michael and got him kind of started in it and did a mentorship with him for a year. And so now, you know, for me, to if I can go out and beat the kid, I feel really good. Um, That's not taking anything away from Michael because he's a heck of a competitor um, and learns very fast. I didn't have to teach him a whole lot. So,
0: Do you think any of those guys that you've raced against, you know, especially talking about like the 1990s, that don't get the recognition that they deserve from people today? Is there anybody that's kind of been uh, lost to the sands of time?
3: Absolutely. There's some guys back in the day that, that race, and you know, they were probably far and above, you know, some of the stuff that we have going on. And one that that comes to my mind would be Todd Attic, he was very, very fast, very smooth. Um, I don't know if you guys ever remember, he raced class one, class nine, 1600.
0: I can remember him racing uh, class seven S, which became pro light. So, yep, yep. exactly.
3: Um, he's probably one, there's, there's several, don't really know. Jason Crowder was real fast, Steve Federico. You know, all those guys um were very talented.
1: So back in the day, Steiny, when you were running against Federico and all those guys, I mean, did they all have like the same equipment? Were you guys all running like the same cars? Like, technically, like today, you know, you have your spec classes, say the Pro 2 spec class or the Pro Light spec class. Like, were you guys all in the same ballpark? No, everything
3: was basically the same. So, the engine rules in the 1600 class, basically, you have the engine. I mean, there isn't a whole lot different you can do. I mean, the rules are the rules. Right, right. Um, the biggest thing that I think catapulted me or or got me better was seat time, for one, and then figuring out suspension and gearing. In the 1600 cars was huge. Um, every like I say, the engines are the engines. If you can make that engine package work with your suspension and make your car get your car dialed in for both you know jumping and cornering, um, you know, that's where you're going to have an advantage in that that class. Other than that, yeah, everything was you know, there was a lot of different chassis back in the day that were built. Uh, Taylor built them, Probes built them, uh, Attic built them. Uh, there was Beryon, which was basically Probes, uh, but oh, there was a lot of different chassis manufacturers for the 1600 cars, and it was it was interesting and, and just trying to learn different things and and get the stuff to work better was you know a major accomplishment.
1: Would you say it came a long way, like from yeah, back oh, then? absolutely,
3: absolutely from when I started in 1600 to when I got out, the suspension in the cars and the gearing and everything was so much better. Um, it was. Yeah, I would say it was, I wouldn't say night and day difference, but there was quite a difference from when I started,
0: for sure. Hey, so looking ahead to Crandon this weekend, uh, just a couple days from now, you're going to be sitting on the starting line, all strapped in, and Faye is going to slide that board from red to yellow. You've sat there through that whole process like a couple hundred times at least. Do you still get the nerves? Do you still get just as excited as you used to get being there on the starting line?
3: I do. Probably not like I used to get. I used to, especially Crandon was was real nerve wracking, um, as everybody will say. Um, I think I've learned to ease myself a little bit. Um, But yeah, absolutely. The butterflies are are jumping around and it's a a complete different feeling than any other race. Never got nervous at other racetracks, but always on the start because you wanted to make sure you got to the turn one first. And uh, you knew if you made any mistakes along the way, it wasn't going to happen. So,
0: Do you have any kind of special pre-race routine? No, what I do like to do is, is sit
3: in the car. And, and I think everybody I think does this. Maybe I'm different. I like <laughs> to sit in the car, close my eyes, and drive around the track in my mind. Get an idea where to hit the steering brake, which way to hit the steering brake, where I want to brake, where I don't want to brake. And I do that, and I'll do that five or six times. And just keep playing it through my head on, you know, what's got to happen and where you want to
0: be. So I think that's what I do kind of to get ready. Other than that, you know, just
3: make sure your stuff is ready to go.
0: It's always fascinating to me to find out what the mindset of a driver is in those moments because I've been down there on the starting line at Crandon, you know, inside of five minutes to go. And it's crazy to see the difference. There's some guys that can't sit still, they're fidgeting, you know, triple checking everything, then other guys. You know, seven minutes before the green flag, they're asleep and they their crew guys to go wake them up to, uh, you know, get ready to go.
3: Yeah, that would kind of be me. Not not so much at the line, but if I'm sitting there and I got the belts on and we got time, yeah, I'll relax and just kind of chill. And, you know, I might fall asleep and doze off a little bit, but uh, it's just a way of kind of calming yourself and making sure you're not too nervous to go.
0: So the track itself at Crandon, obviously it's the biggest, the most wide open track on the series. How do you approach that mentally compared to a a tight track like Antigo? Uh,
3: Momentum. You just got to tell yourself, keep your momentum up no matter what.
0: Hit your marks. Um,
3: You know, any other track, exactly, hit your marks. Don't miss any of your marks. Keep your momentum up. Um, Other tracks, you know, you might be able to make a little bit of a mistake in a corner. You can probably make it up. Crandon, if you make a mistake, it's always been said, you know, if you make a mistake in, like, say, the finish line turn, you know that could be four or five car lengths or more by the time you get to turn one that and it was just a small little mistake but your top end speed really gets killed if you scrub any speed in your cornering
0: and you talk about momentum and hitting those marks that's really something that i'm sure you mastered in you know class 11 or light buggy Mike Vanden told me one time, if you can go fast in a light buggy, you can learn how to go fast in anything. Do you feel like that experience still works out for you? Yeah,
3: absolutely. You know, when I started in that class, you know, you're like everybody else. When you first start racing, I had never raced anything, you know, so I was just wide open and turn and yeah. And then I realized real fast that, hey, wait, this doesn't work. Um, You know, you got to, you got to drive around the corner. You got to make sure you got good exit speed um, and be smooth, not, not rough, jerky, throwing it in. Um. So yeah, definitely. I would have to agree with Mikey there. It's uh, a definitely a a driver's class for sure. I mean, I know all classes are driver's classes and you could say that about every one of them, but I think anybody that's strapped into a class 11 and, and realizes real fast how, how much momentum means. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe like Mikey and yourself, you guys can answer that question because you've been through the ranks and you've came from the bottom to the top and, I mean, it's probably like driving a Cadillac compared to what you were driving back in the eighties.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely is. And
3: you know, even the sixteen hundred, even as as good as they ride, you know, the older I got, the the little more beat up I would get and now it's so much nicer, you know, it's it's just that much more suspension and makes a difference on your body and everything. So yeah, it's it's, it's great. And the cars that we got now, you know, most of the cars that are running up front, you know, and obviously now um with Darren coming in. Um, or Dale, I'm sorry, Ebert's coming and there's a little bit different, uh, chassis there. And there's a couple chassis like that, but you know, the, most of them are the alumicrafts and they do work well. So,
0: so you've logged literally thousands of laps at Crandon. Do you still find yourself learning new things about the track every time you go out? You know, do you find more places where you can be just a little bit faster?
3: You know, I've always said we race on the dirt. If you can't adapt, to changes every lap at every track you're probably not going to be fast and that goes from the start of the race looking for a dry spot looking for any little thing that can get you there faster than the next guy that he doesn't see and then as the race goes on okay now this is dried up I can move out there this is faster Um, as far as that goes that's what I would say you learn throughout a race you know with Crandon it changes all the time you know this this I remember we used to go way up on the berm to make the turns. Well, now you don't do that anymore. It's just, it's constantly changing. Um, even though the track's the same, the dirt conditions, um, you know, obviously the watering conditions, um, always makes a difference. So you really got to be on your toes and, and look for the best lines you can find.
1: Hey, Steiny, like you've been coming for a long, long time to all these racetracks. I mean, every year I hear your name every year that I've been calling short course. Now we've talked about you and you've always been at the top of your game, but what makes you come back? What, what drives you to, Hey, I'm going to race this year. I know money can be one thing, but at the end of the day, what, what keeps you coming?
3: The love of the sport. And I think you can speak for this. Once it's in your blood, it's in your (laughs) blood. Um, it's real hard. I wish I could say, say no sometimes, um and it's getting to that point. You know, every year it's more of a Gee, should I do it? Should I not do it? You know, the older I get the, the more I wanna do other things. Um, because it is it's a commitment and it, and I don't wanna commit and do it half heartedly. I wanna do it the way I've always done it. I don't wanna do it, well, here I can go to this race, I can go to that race. That's I don't have that in me, you know. It's it's either I'm gonna commit and do it or I'm not gonna do it. So
0: So do you have like an exit strategy or do you not really think about it in those terms, you're just Focused on enjoying it while you're in it. I know that's a tough question.
3: Uh, it is, you know, and there's there's so many things that you know a lot of people think about it and have a plan. And I'm kind of not that way, you know. Whatever happens, happens. I like to live in the moment and enjoy while I'm doing it. You know, my nephews. I got my nephew started in it. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's been going with me since he was in diapers. I know he's not going to want to hear that, but he's been going to the racetrack with me since he was in diapers and when he races it's probably i probably get more nervous for him racing than i do myself and i'm sure that's <laughs> like a father-son thing but oh
1: yeah
3: you know with him racing you know it, it kind of keeps me wanting to be involved and, and keep things going as far as that goes so you know, we'll see i i don't know what's going to end up happening um I, you know it was funny because i used to say well when i turn 40 i'm going to quit and then when i turn 50 i'm going to quit well, in a couple of years, I'm going to be turning 60, so I'm going to have to make a decision here pretty soon, so.
1: Yeah, my dad's like, how old is <laughs> I'll be 58 in November, so. Is that two years then, or what? Is that where you're hanging it up? That would be two years. I don't know if I'll make it that
3: long, but I didn't start, you know, I didn't start driving until I was 21. I never raced anything until I was 21 years old, so. Wow. I didn't, I didn't start on a bike i didn't start on a motorcycle i didn't do anything i started racing when i was 21 and so i maybe maybe i got a little bit later start so i'm just keeping it going a little longer
0: i guess well if there's one takeaway we can get out of that it's that uh you you still have the fire and uh, mike hester is still older than you so and he's still doing it
2: (laughs) (laughs) and
3: so it's got i'll i'll throw that one out there too so
0: boy shade You're going to have the angry mob of uh, gray-haired fellas coming to your pit later on this weekend.
3: Yeah, that's all right. I can take it.
0: Duke it out on the track. Exactly. Well, hey, Mark, we really appreciate you joining us on the show, and uh, best of luck to you this weekend. We'll stop by and say hi.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys, and thanks for doing the announcing. You guys do a good job. Uh, Appreciate all that, and uh, I know you guys like to follow, you know, the old history and stuff behind the sport. Really appreciate that and appreciate you guys doing what you do.
0: Yeah, that means a lot coming from you. I appreciate you. Yeah, breath, thank no you, problem.
3: You guys have a good one. I'll see you in Crandon.
0: Well, Brent, that'll just about do it for this episode of the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil. What are you
1: looking forward to this weekend at Crandon? Man, there's a lot to look forward to, buddy. Just being back with my friends, get to be with you up in the booth, get to see some of the best drivers in the world in the small town of Crandon. I mean, I've already been there once this week and can't wait to go back because there's going to be great excitement. A lot of people, and like I said, the greatest show in the world will probably happen this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think you said it all, man. I'm excited to go back to my hometown. I'm excited to see all my friends and family as well, and excited to get the weekend underway. So remember, the next time you hear from us, it'll be round 3, 10 a.m. Central, Saturday. That'll be the opening ceremonies. And of course, you can watch us from anywhere in the world on flowracing.com. For Brett Smith, I'm Shane Stetsny, and thanks for listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil. You'll hear us again soon.
2: Thanks for listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast
0: presented by Amsoil.